Welcome to the Mariners cast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is Wednesday, July 9th. Uh, today's Mariners cast will feature a recap of yesterday's dynamic pitching performance by Logan Gilbert in the Mariners 2-0 win. We will dig into the game, talk about Logan Gilbert, what changed for this uh, this pitching performance. We will hit on some of the magic of Julio Rodriguez. Uh, I think by now everyone saw him rob Fernando Tatis Jr. of the home run. He's done a bunch of stuff like that. I've said before his value is is not just his uh, offensive numbers, but a lot of other things. We will touch on the pitching matchup for tonight's game, the debut of Emerson Hancock versus Hugh Darvish, and then uh, revisit the Mariners' uh, playoff chances and talk about why the Mariners have a uh, less than slim and a pretty decent chance of going far in the American League playoffs. So last night's game uh, was a 2 nothing win by the Seattle Mariners. Uh, it was an impressive pitching f- performance. The offense was a bit stagnant, but uh, they were rescued by probably the best uh, game pitched by Logan Gilbert in a Mariners uniform. With the win, the Mariners went to 61-52. and Mariners are still six games out of uh, first place in the American League West. They are eight and two in their last 10, a plus 49 run differential, and are pulled to two games out of the third wildcard spot in the American League. So again, Logan Gilbert was the star. He moves to 10 and five, 366 ERA. He allowed one hit, no runs, no walks and struck out 12 in seven innings. We will dig into that performance in a minute. Matt Brash pitched a scoreless eighth for his 16th hold, and uh, Andres Munoz closed the game out for his sixth save. Offensively, J.P. Crawford went three for four with a double at the top of the lineup. Uh, I saw that J.P. Crawford is now, I believe, third in the American League in on-base percentage. Um, if you would have told me that he was going to be a top five on base percentage hitter in the American League uh, at the beginning of this year, I would have said you were crazy. He's been pretty darn awesome offensively. Um, I did see, you know, there are a lot of folks kind of pumping him up online today and his offensive numbers. Um, I do had to reply in terms of uh the decline in both his speed and his uh, his defense, but a valuable player nevertheless. So Shohei Otani, 409 on-base percentage, Yandy Diaz of the Tampa Bay Rays, 403, and then J.P. Crawford, third at 382, ahead of names like Kyle Tucker, Nathaniel Lowe, Adley Rutschman, Mike Trout. So big deal, obviously, for uh, J.P. Crawford to be third in the American League and on-base percentage. Julio Rodriguez went two for four. Uh, Tom Murphy went one one for three with a run. And Dylan Moore has really turned his season around. One for two with a run. RBI, a walk. He got the RBI and the triple when he drove in Tom Murphy. And much to my surprise, his OPS is all the way up at 876 due to a 567 slugging percentage. 
that's in limited at bats, but still um, a far cry from where he was uh, about a month ago when he was truly struggling. And um, had it not been for his three-year contract extension, would have considered him as a DFA candidate. So offensively, again, the Mariners only scored two runs, nine hits, three walks. Um, but it was more than enough for Logan Gilbert to pick up the win. So what was different about Logan Gilbert in this game? He threw 100 pitches, uh, 47% or 47 four-seam fastballs. That is down, um, excuse me, that was up 5% over the season usage-wise. He threw 20 splitters, which was up 5%, and he threw 20 sliders, which was down 7%. So a few more four-seam fastballs, a few more splitters, a few less sliders, and a few less uh, knuckle curves. So he worked more vertically than he did um, than he does typically and less horizontally. So he became a vertical pitcher in that. The four-seam fastball obviously doesn't have a lot of horizontal movement. And the split finger is a pitch that is very much north-south and not east-west. Um, I assume that that was conscious. I assume that was something they saw in Padres, in the Padres hitting numbers. Uh, but the spin and the uh, velocity on both the four-seamer and the splitter were up. Um you don't necessarily want the spin and the splitter to be up because you want that pitch to dive down. Um, but the velocity on the splitter was up 1.3 miles an hour, all the way up to almost 87 miles an hour average. And the velocity on the four-seamer was up almost a mile per hour, and the spin was up almost 100 RPM. So all in all, that's better stuff from the four-seamer and the splitter from Logan Gilbert. I think that was uh, key in his uh, pitching performance. His slider velocity was down, but his slider spin was way up 154 RPMs above his uh, his yearly average. So uh, across the board, better stuff in this game. Um, it showed in the 29% uh, whiff rate, 15 whiffs on 52 swings, uh, five whiffs on the slider, four on the splitter, five on the four-seamer, one on the knuckle curve. But he... He mixed his pitches differently. He mixed his pitches well. He executed very well. He did get a couple of calls, the most egregious in my mind being a called strike three uh, to Ha Sung Kim that was on a splitter inside, looked to be about eight inches off the plate. But there was separation in his velocity. His his knuckle curve was three miles an hour slower than it's been, and his fastball and splitter were up, so he had more separation in velocity than he typically does and he threw 16 of his 22 pitches were first pitch strikes for a 73% first pitch strike rate. I believe that's about 10% above, um, excuse me, it's about 13% above league average. So lots of first pitch strikes, getting ahead of hitters and being able to punch them out with uh, some really great breaking stuff in this game. He just, it was a masterful, masterful performance against an offense that, overall is slightly above league average, but has some superstar players and um, can, can explode at any time, but he was on his game. Really impressive. Uh, this is peak Logan Gilbert. I don't think you get much better than this. Again, his stuff ticked up slightly um, velocity and spin, and he was able to, to really locate and throw first pitch strikes. This was Logan Gilbert at his best. 
He did get helped a bit specifically by Julio Rodriguez. Um, I said earlier, Julio went two for four, but really his uh, contribution in this game came from his defense. In the third inning, Garrett Cooper, the newly acquired DH from the Florida Miami Marlins, excuse me, showing my age, hit a liner to center. He's only 81 miles an hour off the bat, but at a 560 uh, expected batting average. It was a sinking liner that was dying. And Julio came in and made a, a, I guess you could call it a diving catch, but he caught it on the run running in and kind of did a, a bit of a somersault. But that was the first really great catch by Julio. Obviously, without his speed and without the jump that he got, uh, this would have been a base hit. Um, really nice catch. The showstopper was in the fourth inning. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a 410-foot uh, fly ball that looked like a home run to center field. Julio jumps up, catches the ball, starts walking back towards uh, home plate with the closed mitt, but the assumption when it, when a fielder does this is that they did not catch the ball. Usually it's an immediate celebration. And Julio literally waited for a couple of seconds before revealing the fact that he caught the ball. This clip was all over Twitter. Some people saying it's the, the greatest defensive play they've seen in their life. Uh, certainly one of the most entertaining. Uh, he and Fernando Tatis Jr. are close friends. Uh, you know, he was, this was his version of talking trash. Crazy part. Expected batting average on this ball, 990. Think about that. 990 was the X, was the XBA, and Julio was able to get back to the wall quick enough and jump up and catch the ball at its peak. Uh, one of maybe the signature defensive play in the major leagues so far this season. Um, amazing play from Julio there. And then in the fifth, uh, Jay Cronenworth hit a Really uh, uh, hard hit line drive to left center field off of a left-handed bat, tailing away slightly from Julio. Julio had the speed to track this ball down and catch it. This had a 600 XBA and um, was incredibly impressive as well. So you had a sinking liner in the third with the 560 XBA that he caught. You had the home run that he robbed with a 990 XBA off of the bat of Fernando Tatis Jr. And you had the line drive to left center that he caught off the bat of Jake Cronenworth. All three of these utilized his speed. And um, even with the ability to get to the ball, there's no guarantee on any of these that you're going to catch it. So just phenomenal um, defense from Julio Rodriguez in this game. Three balls that he caught that very few center fielders, if any, would have, um, along with going two for four. So as I've said, he does – so many little things to help the team win. He stole home about a week ago on that double steal with Eugenio Suarez, kind of lit a fire under the team. Um, tons of defense. Really, I feel like every game there's something where – a ball where he catches it where you know the majority of Major League center fielders would not. And I know that he hasn't always produced in the clutch, specifically this year, but he's 22. And he's going to learn how to do that if you consider that a skill, which I think it is to a certain extent. He's also going to understand how to um, rein in his aggressiveness and get into hitters' counts better, which will help him in the clutch. But he's contributing everywhere. He's contributing, obviously, with the bat. 
His projections also, he's 259, 323, 434 slug for 757 OPS so far this season with a 113 WRC plus. Not great, but his projections on the season are for 26 home runs, 39 steals, 96 runs, 89 RBIs, 99th percentile outs above average. He's almost, I almost guarantee he wins a gold glove in the outfield this season. So a gold glove outfielder, 99th percentile outs above average, 26 homers, 39 stolen bases, 96 runs, 89 RBIs. A little better offensive numbers, you're talking about an MVP candidate. It's good for 3.7 Fangraphs war, which is 20th in all of baseball, ninth among outfielders, ninth overall in the American League, and fourth among AL outfielders. So on a year where people have been down on Julio Rodriguez, down on his offensive production, people asking the question, is he really a superstar? People disappointed in his performance thus far. And he is ranked 20th in baseball, in Fangraphs war, and 99th percentile outs above average, with an outside shot at going 30-40 on this season. Come on, man. Like, y'all tripping. He's 22 years old. We have him, the Mariners have him under team control until through 2029, and he has player options through 2034. You have this superstar talent who is only going to get better offensively, who is the could potentially be the best fielding center fielder in the game under under team control for the next seven years. Six and a half. Julio's been outrageously good. And once you dig, you look past the fact that he probably isn't going to reach 100 runs and 100 RBIs this season. And you start to look at things like these three catches he made in yesterday's game to help Logan Logan Gilbert surrender one hit over seven innings and no runs. You start to realize just how much he gives to this team and just how much he is the driving force behind the success of the Seattle Mariners, both last year and this year. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. I, I really, truly don't. So again, 3.7 fan graphs war on the season, projected for 26 homers, 30, 39 stolen bases, 96 runs, 89 RBIs, and to be the best center fielder in the game. Awesome stuff from Julio. I will never forget that catch of Tatis's uh, potential home run. Um, almost overshadowed the lights-out performance of Logan Gilbert. This was Pete Gilbert. Um, again, takes the Mariners to 61-52, and 52, nine games over 500. They look good. Tonight's game features Hugh Darvish against uh, Emerson Hancock. This is the debut of Emerson Hancock. Uh, we talked about him yesterday quite a bit. Once again, he's 24 years old, pitched in double-A exclusively this season. Low three-quarters arm slot, watch for a fastball with a lot of tail, looks almost like a two-seamer, a firm slider, and a changeup that dives and fades. That changeup is probably his best pitch. Um, if he is to be a part of the Mariners' rotation moving forward, he would slot in probably as number four, number five. Um, the upside is not quite the same as it is with the other Mariners starters, but he is still potentially a very, very good uh, part of a future Mariners' rotation. He is facing Yu Darvish. Uh, Yu Darvish is fun. 
36 years old, 6'5", 220. He signed a six-year, $108 million extension. Uh, he's a free agent in 29. This season, 8-7 and seven with a 4-4-1 ERA and a 1-2-5 whip. 121 strikeouts and 114 third innings. He's had some bad luck. Uh, he, but his swinging strike rate is lower than it's been since 2014 at 10.9%. Uh, he's surrendering a 264 average with a 451 slug against lefties, 222 with a 381 slug against righties. He has been better of late. In July, he had a 362 ERA. In August, he had a 257 ERA. It's over seven innings. And his expected ERA is 3.68. Remember, his actual ERA is 4.41. So some bad luck. What I find fascinating about Darvish is he's always thrown a bunch of pitches. And previously, he threw 100 miles an hour and um, was known a lot for his splitter uh, when he was young. Now, he leads with the sweeper, uh, same as Otani, at 19%. So 19% sweeper. 18% sinker, around 18% slider, 16% four seam, 11% curveball, 10% cutter, 8% splitter. Like, so that's, what is that? That's six pitches that he throws over 7.5%. And outside of the 76 mile an hour curveball, his velocity ranges from 82 on the sweeper on up to about 95 on the four seamer. Curveball is the only pitch that gets. Over or excuse me, curve and splitter get over 40% whiff. He does not throw those pitches all that often. Uh, and then the one pitch that really has surrendered uh some tough results is the slider. 426 average against the slider, 754 slug against the slider. That's pretty bad. Even in 22, it was a 301 average with a 454 slug. So slider's a pitch that um opposing hitters hit really well. Uh it's a pitch you ask the question, why does he continue to throw it if it's that bad? But those are the numbers. Uh, last season, he surrendered, like I said, a 300 average on the on the slot on the slider. All of the other pitches that he threw, slide or four seamer, sweeper, sinker, splitter, curveball, all surrendered a sub 200 batting average. So, again, begs the question, why are you throwing that slider? Previously in his career, before last year, you asked the same question about the cutter. There's something about pitches that are in that range, making that movement that uh, hitters can pick up on. So watch for that slider. Expect the Mariners to do damage on that slider, specifically if he throws it to left-handers. His zone contact rate is right about league average. His whiff rate is a couple percentage points above league average. Still an effective pitcher, not the dominant you Darvish of old, however. So Darvish against Emerson Hancock, I am, for one, am super pumped to see the debut of Hancock. It's about two and a half years coming. Um, just going to be fun just to see a new starter. He's got a little slightly different repertoire than the others um, in that his four-seamer is a little uh, is functions a little bit like a two-seamer. He doesn't throw that big breaking slider. It's more of a, of a firmer slider. And none of the Mariners starters, maybe outside of Luis Castillo, has the type of changeup that uh, Emerson Hancock features. So that should be super fun. Excited for this game. This is the second game of the two game, the short two-game set with the San Diego Padres. The As of recording, the Rangers have already lost 2-0 to the A's. 
so the Mariners can pick up a full game on the Texas Rangers if they were to uh, win today. I wanted to go over real quickly uh, some of the playoff odds and break down the, the teams that the Mariners are would be potentially competing with in the playoffs. Uh, as I said, Fangraphs uh, gives the Mariners a 32.2% chance to make the playoffs and a 1.6% chance to win the World Series. Uh, their playoff odds are fourth amongst wildcard teams. That makes sense. They're fourth in the standings. Their World Series odds to win are 1.6%, which is also fourth amongst those wildcard teams. Um, but they have as good of a chance as any, in my opinion, to go far. When you start to look kind of top level at each one of these teams they're competing with in the wild card, the Astros have more holes than they have in the past. They don't have that one through nine in the lineup that they used to have. Christian Javier has been very inconsistent this season. He's a starter that they've been counting on. Justin Verlander, you know, is still great, but he is aging. And you have to wonder at what point in time does Justin Verlander start to show cracks in the armor. Um, I wonder, you know, I look at him and as much as he is a pitcher who, you know, you would take in a one game sort of situation. um, He's not the Justin Verlander that he used to be. He's 40. How can you be? His name isn't Nolan Ryan, right? Um, He still has a three, one, one ERA and a one, one, five whip this season. He's not striking out nearly as many hitters as he used to, um, but he's still formidable. But again, 40 years old, is he going to hold up? Um, is he someone you can count on? You've got Hunter Brown, who's a rookie and young. You Framber Valdez is great. Um, he's a really tough out. But the rotation isn't quite as deep or quite as strong as it's been in the past. And their offense, their top five are very good, Right. Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, and now Yanir Diaz, those five are good. Um, the offense is good. The offense is uh, slightly above average, major league-wise. Uh, but then you've got Jose Abreu, who's had a down year. Jeremy Pena, who's not nearly as good as I think people thought he was going to be when he first came up. Chaz McCormick, who is more of a defensive outfielder than he is offensive outfielder. He's had a good year this year, but he's not a player I would count on in the playoffs. And then Martin Maldonado was in for defensive purposes. You know their bullpen is always going to be great. They are certainly a formidable foe. There's a reason why they have the highest percentage of all of the um, of all of the wildcard teams to win the World Series at 10.9%. But there are holes in the armor, right? They've had injury issues with the fifth spot in rotation. Jose Arquiti currently occupies it. I don't know if that's a pitcher you want to count on. I think I don't think he starts a playoff game for them. And then Altuve and Alvarez have been hurt off and on over the past couple of years. So, again, not putting Houston down. I think the Astros are a great team. I do ask the question, though, are they the Astros of old? And could the Mariners in a playoff series beat the Astros? I think that answer is yes. The Rangers, if we're going to speak about teams that the Mariners might face or teams that the Mariners are competing with, yes, they are the American leaders in the American League West currently, but they also have some holes. 
Their offensive bit has been very good, but they've got injuries right now with third baseman Josh Young and catcher Jonah Heim on the injured list. I think uh, Heim comes back pretty soon, but Young is out for a while, and he was a revelation for them. And if you have Ezekiel Duran taking over for him, Duran was a player that was hitting very well in multiple positions, and now you've got to plant him at third. Who takes his spot? Their bench is a lot weaker now than it was because of the injury to Josh Young. They're lucky that Mitch Garver is their catcher. Mitch Garver is a good offensive catcher. hits for a lot of power. Um, he replaces Heim. I think he does a serviceable job replacing him. But this bench is bad. And Corey Seager is an injury waiting to happen. His career says so. He's been hurt this season. He's had a dynamite offensive season for the Rangers. But there's no guarantee that he's going to stay healthy. So offense is good. I think the offense was better when everybody was healthy. Um, starting pitching is very good. You've got Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, who went today against the A's, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning. It's a nice rotation, nice veteran rotation. They may get Nathan Eovaldi back. He had, he went on the DL with a strained forearm. Uh, so that's a deep rotation, which you're not used to saying about the Rangers. But again, you don't know if they're going to stay healthy. Heaney and Dunning are more five and dive types. Um, Eovaldi comes back and their rotation is great. There's no debating that um, and deep. And their relief, but their bullpen is not great. Uh, Will Smith is a left-handed, softer tossing reliever as their closer. They did pick up Araldus Chapman. They do have some good relievers, but not as dominant as the Astros or the Mariners. This team has holes. It's bench, it's health, and it's bullpen. Um you move to the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays, I think the Rays probably would have been the team to beat in the American League until Shane McClanahan got injured. Now you're looking at a rotation of Zach Eflin, Tyler Glass now, who you hold your breath start to start as to whether he's going to be able to make it to the mound because of injuries. Zach Littell, who has not been a starter, for a number of years. I think his last start was like in the minor leagues in 18 or 19, something like that. Now he's in the rotation for the Rays. He will go, he won't go deep into games. And Aaron Savali, who they traded for from the Cleveland Guardians. On the IR or the IL, Shane Boz, a highly touted right-handed starting pitching prospect. Josh Fleming, who was a total revelation at the beginning of this season. Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs. So, sorry, Springs was the revelation. Fleming was very good as well. Um, But you've got five guys on the injured list out for the season who you thought were going to be contributors. And so the Rays, you know, somehow, some way, come up with some kind of devil magic to be able to roll great pitching out there. But that McClanahan injury really, really hurts their their playoff chances. I cannot overestimate how big of a deal that was to the Mariners specifically in the American League. It really does open the door. And then the Blue Jays have played very, very well, kind of out of their minds, um, pitching-wise. They lead the uh, Major League Baseball in pitching ERA at 3.75. But they recently lost Bo Bichette for the time being. And he's really, he and Vladimir Guerrero make that offense go. 
So you lose your starting shortstop, who is the best offensive shortstop in the game currently, and you don't know when you're getting him back. So Bichette is out. Tampa Bay loses McClanahan. The Rangers need Eovaldi and are missing Jonah Heim and Josh Young. The Astros are the Astros, but the Mariners stack up stack up well against them, and there are some holes. The lineup isn't as deep. Their pitching is aging with Verlander. The Orioles are very good, but they're also very young. And you do not know how they're going to stand up in a uh in a playoff series, right? I don't know that you can totally count on them to continue to perform at the same level they have. They've got some young pitching. Grayson Rodriguez is someone they would count on. He's 23 years old, right? They did deal for Jack Flaherty. I like that deal. Kyle Bradish is 26. Kyle Gibson is a pitcher that I wouldn't necessarily trust going into a playoff series. I know he's a veteran and he's decent, but I wouldn't necessarily trust him. Um, Dean Kramer. So their starting pitching does not match up with the Mariners. Offensively, they've been very good, but they're young, right? They're at their core. They are very young. Even Anthony Santander is 28. Jordan Westberg's 24. Gunnar Henderson is 22. Adley Rutschman is 25. So Baltimore, again, great record, very good team, 70 and 43, very good team. You've got to ask some questions about them. They've used their bullpen a ton. It's been a huge strength. They've pitched Felix Bautista and Yanir Cano and Danny Kaloum a whole bunch this season. Minnesota leading the American League Central. Decent matchup for the Mariners. Very good pitching, but their offense is counting on Byron Buxton, who's been terrible this season. Edouard Julien, their their hot-hitting second baseman, who is very young still. And Royce Lewis, who's been injury-prone to be a big part of their offense. So I have questions about whether their offense can produce. And I don't think the high-end upside is there with their pitching. I think they have very good pitching. They have a lot of veteran pitching. Not to mention the fact that Joe Ryan has really been trashed the last couple of months. He's on the DL with a groin injury, but a 4.83 ERA in June, a 6.39 ERA in July, and in four innings in August, a 15.75 ERA. What does that, what does all this mean for the Mariners? I think the Mariners are peaking at the right time. I think they have the strongest pitching and the best bullpen in the American League. Obviously, the offense is going to be what determines how far they go. And I think in order for this offense to be great, Julio Rodriguez has to carry it. They're getting uh, contributions from different players every day. JP Crawford is getting on base, right? Tail Hernandez has covered has carried the team in stretches. Jerry Kelnick carried the team early on in the season. Ty France is capable. I don't think he will, but he's capable. Cal Raleigh has had some hot streaks, but you need a number of those guys to hit well, along with Julio hitting well and contributing every single game. If the Mariners don't get that, this pitching is going to be for naught. But we've seen signs. We've seen Julio heat up. We've seen other hitters like Eugenio Suarez get hot. And if you can have Julio plus one or two guys and the pitching that the Mariners have demonstrated so far this season, I will put that up against any team in the American League. Baltimore is young. Minnesota is not as good. Houston is an injury away from not being as good. Texas is Texas, but they've got injuries right now. 
and their best offensive players injury prone. Tampa Bay lost their best pitcher in Shane McClanahan for the season. Toronto, I think, is is the Mariners equal in many ways, but they're they're missing Bo Bichette right now. And I don't trust their pitching to continue to perform at the rate they have. Mariners have as good of a shot as any. If they can just make the playoffs, the Mariners have just as good of a shot as any team in the American League to make the World Series. That is in large part due to the ta- the pitching talent that they have that Jeff Passan said on 710 today that he was so uh I should I should have brought up the quote but he was just so impressed with the fact that the Mariners have um developed all of this pitching like developed a full five man rotation through their system over the last couple of years he was he was floored by it um George Kirby, well, starting with Logan Gilbert, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, and now Emerson Hancock. Um, I think that's cool. I think it's really cool that um, that a national writer would acknowledge the Mariners in that way. Um, So Mariner fans were lucky. Because great starting pitching gives you a shot in any game, in any series, at any time. And without great starting pitching, your chances to win a World Series are slim to none. Mariners are the best pitching in baseball, as far as I'm concerned. You just need the offense to get even close to catching up. And with a hot Julio Rodriguez, that very well could happen. So... Super excited. Um, tonight's game is going to be a lot of fun as well. The debut of Emerson Hancock. Uh, again, watch with him. Watch to make sure that they're not teeing off too much on that on that four-seam fastball. Watch to see if he's able to locate that fastball in a place where it's not um, really hittable for the Padres hitters. Uh, and then watch his changeup usage. As Jason Churchill pointed out on Twitter today, he's not thrown that changeup a ton in the minor leagues. And it's probably his best pitch. One would expect the Mariners to increase the usage on the changeup quite a bit uh, from day one. It's a pitch I want to see a lot more of. Uh, and then of note, Mariners made a number of moves. Matt Festa was um, was waived. He's now a free agent. Uh, the left-handed reliever mucking, mucking something from the Mets that they got in the Trevor Gott quote-unquote trade was uh waived or cut and they brought so they brought up Hancock and then Brian Wu yesterday went on the 15 day injured list with a strained right forearm now that sounds horrible that's typically a precursor to Tommy John that's not what's going on with Brian Wu they said he was the slightest bit tight his arm was and coming out of his last start um a little bit more tight than typical and so as a precaution, also very convenient that when he reached what I would have considered to be his innings limit and Emerson Hancock was ready, Brian Wu had a slight, had some slight soreness in his pitching arm. So is it a uh, cause for concern? Scott Service, Jerry DePoto say no. Um, I'm going to believe them. But he goes on the injured list so that Emerson Hancock can start tonight. So 
again, a couple of moves. Mariners keep moving and, and shaking and doing different things. Uh, tonight's going to be a blast. Super excited to watch this game. Hope you guys enjoyed today's Mariners cast. Again, we are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Sports Ethos. S-P-O-R-T-S, excuse me, Ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. You would think after 60-some episodes, I would be able to do that in my sleep. Evidently, I cannot. Uh, Take care, y'all. Appreciate the listen. Go Mariners. Peace.